You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. For your next sci-fi addiction, you need to pick up the first books in the Spire novel series from author Peter F. Smith. The Spire brings to life a setting years after a viral apocalypse has decimated the world's population, leaving only a handful of families who were instrumental in the downfall of mankind as its new rulers. With mankind wiped out, these elites turn on one another with violent results. I enjoyed the incredible details put into the action scenes that rival any you could possibly see on the big screen, and the thought put into the world building crafts possibilities that are endless. The second book, Apocalypse Dawn, allows you to dive further into this dystopia from a survivor's point of view and will grip you instantly. You can pre-order both books on Amazon for 99 cents until November 12th. So sign into your account now and pick up your copies of the next major sci-fi hit and always remember to geek out. The future comes and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are back this week talking about two shows, count them two, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus and Watchmen from HBO because... We just felt like we didn't have enough to do. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> With me is John. Hey, yo. Elizabeth. Hi. Jess. What's up? And we don't have Steven this week. Aw, womp womp. It's okay. I'm sure he'll, he has thoughts on both shows, and <laughs> if you want to find him online to talk to him about it, do so. Uh, our week's watch essentially was the same thing that everybody else in the world did this week. Yep. Watched 10 million people. Yep. 10 million people. And you wonder why there was so, there was so many errors on launch day. I, I yeah. still don't understand why Disney Plus didn't give everybody the app before the day. Yeah. Why make it so that everybody had to... Okay, I'm done. I, I think even <laughs> no, Disney not. didn't think that many people would have signed up. I think Disney was like, eh. You know, after Galaxy's Edge stuff, they're like, okay, Disney Plus launch day. And then they're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's people that wanting to sit in the, the convenience oh. of their home as opposed to go to Disneyland. Oh, all right. <laughs> and just look, even DC Universe, which almost nobody has as a streaming app, mm-hmm. let the people download the app like a week before the thing came out. It right. made sense. That way you can at least have a landing page and you can go there. You can be like, oh, this is where I'll need to be when I need to, you know, when everything is ready to go. No, they didn't do that with Disney Plus. <laughs> they made it so that everybody had to download the app the same time, which is dumb. I don't understand what they were thinking over there. These are the people that rule our world. They they know everything <laughs> else. I had like zero problems, but I, didn't I was have any working at either. the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I I I was I had the benefit of being up early in the morning yeah. <laughs> as you. Yeah, so. I couldn't stream for a couple of hours. I had to wait. Yeah, it yeah. sucked. So, uh, okay, got that out of the way. Anything, what else did everybody else watch on Disney Plus? 
I watch Darkwing Duck. I watch Mary Poppins. Oh, Gargoyles. Gargoyles. And then the Imagineering Story so documentaries. I heard a thing about the Gargoyles episodes. Yeah. They're doing the uncensored episodes. So the episodes that were never aired on television. Not like there's sex or anything like that, but really? it's, stu- it's got stuff that uh, I guess um, the episode where Broadway accidentally shoots Detective Maza. Okay, cool. Because I was like watching that episode and I was like, I don't remember this. Like, I feel like I would remember Broadway shooting. <laughs> no, no. That episode happened. It aired. Yeah, oh, it did? But the thing is, is that he has blood on his hands when oh, yeah. they, never, they never had blood on his hands before. Okay. So it's, that's, that's it's one of the things that's so different. so long since I watched it and I was like... Yeah. Okay. There's kind What's of a minor this? controversy going on right now because apparently some ens- episodes are being censored of other shows. Like mm. they completely removed the Simpsons episode with Michael Jackson. Oh. And yeah. uh, I believe, uh, I don't know what it is, Gravity Falls or some other show. Uh, there's a character that has some kind of logo on his hat, a red hat. I don't yeah. know what it is. Um, well, for like the first 13 episodes, the that logo has been removed for some reason. Hmm. That's weird. No, there's an old DuckTales episode I want to tr- go back and try to find where Scrooge McDuck is getting his physical. And the eye chart in the back, uh, it's kind of as an inside joke. It spells out, ask about Illuminati. And I want to see if that's still in there. <laughs> it's probably so there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, did anybody say they watched uh, Boy Meets World? No, yeah, I was never into that. I always, I always remember hearing. I mean, I watched it when it was first airing, but mm-hmm, I remember yeah. hearing when it re-aired on Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. They took out the episode that talked about teen sex hmm. and premarital oh. sex. So I wonder if it's on the streaming or not. I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, anything else? Anything in particular that any, anybody had to watch when when Disney put? Disney Plus launched the original Mickey Mouse cartoons. I think Steamboat Willie was one of the first ones that I watched too. Yeah, which that had scenes in it I did not remember mm. either. Like That's there's scenes where like Mickey Mouse is kicking, like playing animals as instruments, but he gets kind of <laughs> abusive with it, and you're like, "Whoa!" I mean, old cartoons are like that, and it yeah. ha- it's also one of the ones that has that disclaimer. Yeah, you know, this is from a different cultural time. Yeah. And- but I think that's because the last few times I've watched Steamboat Willie was actually inside the Disney parks. They have like a little cinema thing that plays like three classic cartoons. So it's probably a shortened version of it anyway that I had seen. But. And you said you watched the Imagineering Story series. Yeah, it is a series. I haven't seen the second episode yet, but um, the first episode's on Disneyland and it looks like the second episode's going to be on the Magic Kingdom over in Disney World. Okay. And there's something about Jeff Goldblum. The world according to Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. You that watched the first episode of that? I did. I've been doing nothing but watching this <laughs> stuff. Um, that one's pretty good. It's definitely a Jeff Goldblum show. I think in, in our text, I made a joke that it's like, it's Jeff Goldblum acting like Jeff Goldblum. Like, it's just very over the top. Yes. The first episode is on shoes, which of I is. learned a lot about tennis shoes. I never would have. Dip- there's there's I'm- like a shoe con in which guys are just dropping thousands of dollars. <laughs> Oh yeah, sneakerheads yeah. are crazy. So, yeah, so it's really it focuses on those sneakerheads and stuff like that. And, and, I, and I say that fully well knowing <laughs> that I just spent Saturday morning trying to get co- tickets to San Diego Comic Con. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is 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 Goldblum a sneakerhead? No, I no, think he just, he just wanted, wanted to, to know more about it. He ends up getting personalized shoes from some sneaker genius guy. But I mean, I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying like. It would both surprise me and not surprise me to know that Jeff Goldblum was a sneakerhead. Like, it could go either way with him. Yeah, no, it was more like he just found this fascinating and is going around and learning about it, basically. 
I watched the Expanding the Universe Marvel Cinematic Universe special that they had mm-hmm. on there, which they showed all the concept art for all the different stuff. Like the con- you saw the concept art for all the looks for the characters in Winter Soldier, Fal- Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. the what if stuff, which T'Challa as Star Lord just seems like out there. Like, are they going to have it that Wakanda went into outer space before anybody else? That's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. There was there's Zombie Cap. There's Captain Carter. Um, like that. All that stuff looked incredible. I can't wait for that What If series. Um, the the Hawkeye series, the Winter Soldier series, mm-hmm. the yeah, all that stuff. So yeah. they got to see a lot of that. That and I thought that was pretty cool. So, all right. Since we have two shows to talk about, and one of the shows has two episodes to talk about, let's go ahead and get right into it. Yeah. The Mandalorian. Episode one called Chapter One, according to IMDb. What did everybody think of the first foray into a TV series, Star Wars? I quite enjoyed it. Yeah? I love it. (laughs) It's so good. I really liked the first episode. I really enjoyed it. I would say that I like the idea. (laughs) (laughs) Look. Okay, it's the same thing that I have a problem with with all Star Wars stuff. It's just, especially the nowadays Star Wars stuff, it's all reminiscent of older Star Wars. It's We just keep making callbacks to older stuff. I really don't see how this is really building out too much. We got a lot, we got, I don't want to say a lot, we got a little bit of character development for mm-hmm. the Mandalorian in the first episode, but yeah. other than that... It's it's just callbacks to everything else. Um, I I don't well because I I didn't really know what the Mandalorians were till like I did my own research later on about Star Wars when I heard the word Mandalorian I'm like what is that so I think that's where for the people that only watch the movies and stuff like that this is new to them and then yeah it has callbacks and stuff and that's more for like the super fans but i think it's a good way to well and i feel like the callbacks are to tie in to tie everything back in Mm -hmm. for those casual viewers for those nostalgic viewers you have to give them something so you give them those callbacks you give them those tie-ins but you're starting to explore beyond Mm -hmm. i think we're getting into teeny tiny slivers of the universe and so it may be interesting to see where they go from here. Because, as John was saying earlier, before the podcast, we know nothing from the Star Wars films about Yoda's race. Right. It's, it's never discussed. Well, now all of a sudden that's going to be a central character. We know nothing about the Mandalorians. Now that is the main character. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's an opportunity to build into for the casual viewer build into what the fa- the super fans have already explored and built. And I think mm-hmm. one of the problems is, is that it's one of the biggest praises I've heard about the show so far mm-hmm. is from and from most people is that this feels like Star Wars to them. Everybody keeps saying this makes me think of the old Star Wars, the original trilogy. And the first scene of the show is 
the Mandalorian walking into a cantina mm-hmm. and getting into mm-hmm. a fight with two guys, one who doesn't speak English, the other one keeps mouthing off, just like what happened with Obi-Wan and Luke in the New Hope, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it just seems all very familiar. Well, I think at the start, <laughs> I think that's how you have to start it. Okay. Which is where, I mean, if we're going to do that one, we'll look at um, episode seven. Yeah. It's no. all very familiar. Oh, yeah. And I, that's how they started the new trilogy. I've and then look that. at episode <laughs> eight it, it, and how it tried to make its own narrative. Yeah, and but episode eight is even still just like episode five. Like there are exact, there are, there are a lot of similarities between those, those two as well. Yeah. But that's kind of in the process of world building too. You can't let things change too dramatically too quickly. That's fair. I'm just saying, I feel like we're, we're not doing anything. Like we're just spinning the wheel. The, the show <laughs> looks great. The, the action scenes are amazing. Mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal, I'm there for it all the time. <laughs> I'm just saying we're not, I mean, even his weapons, he's got the weapon that was only seen in the, what the, the holiday special, the, yeah. the taser rifle. Yes. Yeah. I mean, these are just, I mean, why, why would that specific weapon that Boba Fett was using in the, the holiday special be, he, be used by him? Okay, John, yeah, John. Let it all out. Let's go. Okay. So <laughs> to address the first issue here, how this just looks like more of the same, uh, Lucas has always had this mentality of that the movies should rhyme. They should have similar sequences that kind of are like mirrors of each other except that under lucas's hands when he was in complete creative control it sucked because it just looked like he was just copying older things and putting them in and it made him just look really uncreative this version of the show uh, of this show i think is doing it right it's evocating like she said you start by going into a cantina an alien and someone else are kind of mouthing off but the result of this one is completely different. Instead of having a helpless main character, protagonist, mm-hmm. that gets rescued by you know, someone else, he holds his own, and you think he's doing something nice by you know, helping this guy, but he's actually there for that guy, the one that was being victimized in the first place. So in essence, he is actually like the supreme bully in this situation. So yeah, there I, is the inversion. I think of him more as a, as a law enforcement than a bully. I mean, he's there to serve a warrant. Yeah, bounty hunting. I mean, that, that can be uh, both ways depending. Yeah, I mean, this guy didn't look like a hardened criminal. It looked like he was probably just on the he, run for he something He was a bail petty. jumper. Possibly, yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that I don't think the show is perfect. Okay. There's definitely some things that didn't feel like Star Wars, like having somebody in completely alien, blue-looking makeup mm-hmm. being such a like talk box basically like just mouthing off like not shutting up you know making little quips that felt more marvel than star wars he looked like something out of guardians of the galaxy well you know what i'll let horatio sands talk all day long (laughs) the dude's funny he was funny i'm just saying like that's one part that didn't really feel like star wars for me okay but that being said i feel like the callbacks that it does is to remind you this is star wars but we're breathing out. We're branching into new areas. And we're going to get some new stuff that a lot of fans like myself have really been wanting to see forever mm-hmm. now. Like a further expansion of the Mandalore culture. Um, mm-hmm. If you've only seen the movies, you've never seen the Mandalorian. You have Jango Fett, Boba Fett, and the clone army. But they were not technically Mandalorians. 
Um, they were, and that's we can go into a whole different topic about that later. But you've never actually seen the Mandalorian. The only reference you've ever seen to Mandalorians in the movies thus far was in, I believe it was The Force Awakens. Yeah, when you see the banner at the bar. Yes, you see yeah. the Mythosaur banner. And they have that referenced here. They have that as the big logo in front of their, whatever that was, like some kind of hall or... Like, I mean, it's yeah, refuge. It, yeah, yeah, some kind of refuge. It's yeah. where the the last—I don't know if it's the last of them or not—but a group of them obviously are bunkering down. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's implied that they're the last because you get reference to the Great Purge. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna find out because I mean, like I said, after the, the the Great Cannon destruction, we don't really know where everything is. The most we know from now is from the I think it was the Rebels and the Clone Wars cartoons. Um, but I'll be honest, I haven't seen all of them, so I don't know where we are in that state of it. Um, but yeah, there was a we civil sh- war with the, the man- within the Mandalorians. For a brief time, Darth Maul was the leader of the Mandalorians. Hmm. See, okay, well, one, we should restate just for anybody that doesn't know and don't know why you wouldn't know if you're this far into the podcast, <laughs> but this takes place after episode six, before episode seven. Yes, about five, five years. Five years after episode six? Right. So yeah, the Empire has fallen it's been five years but there's still the remnants here and there there's still the remnants here and there and mm-hmm. obviously they have or at least Werner hot herzog herzog thank you Werner herzog has uh pieces of beskar metal the mm-hmm. beskar yes yeah okay um my biggest grievance i want to talk about that first mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the episodes aren't an hour <laughs> The first one's like 37 Eight. minutes, 38 minutes. The second one is 29 minutes. Oh. I'm just thinking of it as a four-hour movie. Oh. Then why not make a four-hour movie? Uh, you know what? I did wish that it was all available at once. I would totally have binged it in one sitting if it was available. And honestly, the second episode is not needed. I mean, I disagree with that. I, you we, may feel like nothing happened, but I think it's definitely one necessary. One thing happens in that whole episode, and that could have been thrown in anywhere. It does not. You don't need this whole Jawa. Everything in that episode gets set up and then gets resolved in, within that episode. Thus, the episode is not needed. And I'm okay with that. No, that's not what the, the whole point of the series is. Well, then you have to throw out any series that is episodic. Like, you'd have to throw out all Law and Orders. You'd have to throw out but all... But those are episodic shows. This is a serial show. That's, there's, that's the difference. I think they're approaching the story and I... I it's a car- character building show. Then yeah. where was the character building in this episode? Well, he started by slaughtering Jawas and God then he kind of learned to work with them. <laughs> That's it's like not character building. You don't always have to blast your way through every situation. Sometimes diplomacy is best. And this Ugnaught, I think being played by Nick Nolte, kind yep. of helped him through I, it. I'm with you except for the fact that he does use violence to get the resolve because he kills the rhino thing, which oh, I'm the, sure... Had, the, the Reek, I think, is the what reek, it was. Yeah. Which I think was a reference to one of the creatures in Attack of the Clones that they use in the arena. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. that thing. That, uh, that Queen Amidala kills, right? Yeah, no, that one's killed by Mace Windu. No, yeah. Oh. Yeah, Anakin, Anakin's the one who rides it, I think. He puts I a chain on it or something. I thought she throws her chains did. around the horn or something like that and rides it. She, she does, but, but Mace... No, Jango Fett kills that one. That's the one. Jango Fett shoots him in the face. Okay. Oh, callback. There we go. Man yeah. Look at that. Another callback. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> Anyways, 
But that's a callback to something that unless you are serious about it and have watched these films intensely, I've seen the films probably a dozen times. I don't remember that. I mean, I remember it, but I don't remember it. Yeah. That's fine. Also, we got the first in-canon reference to a toilet. And first in-canon reference to Life Day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which started quite the debate on on our Twitter. That is exciting. No. (laughs) I want to believe that 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 whole thing really did happen. And and they just... just, uh, Yes, I think this this consensus came down is that it does canon... That life day happened, but the holiday special did not happen. Yeah, I think the events of the Ch- holiday that ha- that Chewbacca's are Chewbacca is not just constantly abandoning his cute little furry family. B. Arthur is not. Hey, a he swore a life bartender. day, a life day, a life that to Han Solo. He's got to do what Han Solo wants him to do. <sighs> okay. At least Han Solo is nice enough to let him come home once a year or whenever that happens. Just on life day. Every every winter solstice when he needs to evacuate his thorax. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. And so. another thing. So I did want to mention this. Um, I appreciate uh, or at least admire the structure that we've had for these first two episodes because it feels like you're playing an RPG. You're going out on a mission. You're doing your stuff. You get sidetracked and you have to do a side quest to get another item yeah. to help release Is your... Is that what you're supposed to be That's feeling what it when you watch like. a show? It's a side quest. It's, it worked for me. I liked it. I appreciated it. It may not be what everybody wants, but I feel like it's what I needed to really kind of get more invested in this. Literally, when he starts climbing the side of the sand crawler, uh, which side note, it, like it's never mentioned, but is it possible this could be Tatooine that we're on? That's really weird. Anyway, going back to my original point, him crawling on the side of the sand crawler reminded me so much of Super Star Wars. When you're playing those Tatooine levels and you're literally doing the same thing, you're slaughtering Jawas and climbing up on the side and trying to get in. That was so cool. And then they're like, they could pop out of the windows and throw junk at you. I mean, this might not be what everybody, especially people like you, want to see. People like this, me. It's not this, made for you this, all the time. This is getting me right in the in the member berries, and I'm just really. But see, you always complain about that for other things. Because they don't do it good. Oh, my this, God. This, this doing it. The, if you're going to do it, you yeah. have to do it right. Yeah, it's doing it the right way. But I pretty much, I love a lot of Star Wars. Like, even stuff that Star Wars fans hate, I like. I actually enjoyed Episode Eight. Like, I like But not the holiday they, special. It, no, I don't <laughs> like the holiday special. I don't like Chewbacca having a family that he abandons. But <laughs> Which, side note to the holiday special... Uh, do you know that the, the the sequence where the grandpa Chewbacca, I think his name is Itchy, is watching porn? Like, this virtual reality porn? <laughs> yes. That looks like something that was taken out of THX 1138. Oh, probably. Because in that movie, Robert Duvall also sits in a chair with a thing that goes over your head and he's watching uh, a hologram, essentially. But it's a porn hologram. And in that one, because it was, you know, a radar our movie, it actually, you know what's happening. There's like a machine that also does the other part for you, so it's all a hands-free experience. But um, I was like, this looks exactly like what that is, and that's really disgusting that they put that in here. It's George Lucas. He tends to reuse ideas. He's he's a bad person. (laughs) 
Okay, we skipped to the second episode. We'll still talk about the first episode. The first episode, we we see the Mandalorian is a good bounty hunter. He has quite the few uh, bounties collected up. He mm-hmm. he goes to see Carl Weathers, who's his handler. It's so like to speak. Guild, guild leader. I guild believe. leader. He said he hands out the assignments. He gives him uh, all of the locators uh, to show that these are the bounties that I have, and uh, Carl Weathers. Uh, offers to pay him in Imperial bucks and uh, the Mandalorian doesn't take that. Yeah, last you checked, there was no Empire. But there's the, the money still can be spent. Um, I mean, it would be much harder to spend it because you, I mean, it would only be good in certain places. They deal with that a little bit in some of the prequels, like when they're talking about how Republic credits were no good in the Outer Rim. Um, you need something that's more widely accepted. Um, so there is currency that you can use in other places, but yeah, it, I think that what his whole point was, I want something that I can use anywhere, not like in specific areas where they still honor it. Yeah, but it also seems like he's got a moral hang up on it too. Oh yes, I think there, well, in some of the brief flashback that we've seen of his, it looks like he, when he was a child, they, um, there was like some... He was possibly caught up in the separatist uh, war with mm-hmm. the old republic, and I think we're going to see where that comes from—that animosity with the uh, the status quo. Yeah, I mean, you spoke about Mandalorian, uh, and you know, the was it Jango and Boba not actually being Mandalorian? Not officially, no. But they weren't recognized. Neither by is the this guy. He's a foundling, just like he said he was. Well, yeah, Mandalorians adopt war children. And yes. raise them as their own. Mandal- so is, is, it a, is it a race no. or is it a title? No, it's a, so it's like a class. It's, going a little bit yeah. more into the history of it. Again, some of it's changed since the, the great canon purge. But uh, <laughs> the people who originally became the Mandalorians, I believe, were some of the original inhabitants of Coruscant. And mm-hmm. then they were essentially kicked off the planet. And a great warrior named Mandalore essentially banded all these different people together, different alien races together. And because of that, they then created the Mandalorian culture. And so therefore, anybody could be Mandalorian. It's mm-hmm. not a race. Um, the original race that started it were humanoid, but not humans. And since then, um, they have a very strong emphasis. Uh, again, this, this might have changed since the, the books that I used to read, but uh, they have a very strong emphasis on family and especially the father-son uh, relationship. Um, and they really revere, like, you know, raising your children right. So, yeah, like, they definitely want to make sure that children without parents are taken care of. And that's why the foundling thing is going to come in play here a lot. So when he, uh, he also has a aversion to droids. For whatever reason, we don't know that reason yet. That's kind of common in Star Wars, though. A lot of people have uh, like a droid phobia, or not phobia, but just prejudice. Okay, and after seeing that droid shoot down all those people the way they shot down, wouldn't you be like, ugh? Again, I think in one of the flashbacks, not to the point where I wouldn't let him, wouldn't get on the speeder that it was driving. Well, the thing about droids is that you know they do what they're. Program to, to do, yeah, exactly. Do. And if you don't know what they're programmed to do, they can, you know, it's yeah. programmed to drive a speeder or self-destruct when they feel cornered. Okay, yeah. but he he 
caught he got IG his whatever parents to were not killed by the droids from the separatist army. That's why. Do you know a, that for a fact? I I'm like ninety nine percent sure. That's you don't know that. <laughs> I, I I have a strong feeling. Yeah. Either way. But just in general, if you are in a profession like Bounty Hunter, where you are having to deal with constantly changing dynamics, and you may have your own set of moral code that isn't necessarily a part of the guild required code, but in the legal field, they often talk about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Some people think that all you need to follow is the letter of the law. Others believe you need to follow the spirit of the law. So if you're somebody who follows the spirit of the law, working with a droid who can only follow the letter, you then run into issues because you aren't going to make the same moral calculations that they are. Yeah, that robot was going to have no problem killing that baby. That's what you see at the end of the Yeah, but that robot was paid to kill the baby. He was paid to save the baby. Or kill. Or kill. Yeah, Werner Herzog said, if you need to, go ahead. But the other guy was like, no, 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 we need it to be alive. the, The bounty was... Return it alive. But if you need to, go ahead and kill it. But return it alive. As long as you can bring proof that it's dead, though. Now, we'll come back to that in a moment, but there's something very specific about that weird guy that came into the room afterwards. The guy who I thought was Reza Mid. Yeah, they kind of Riz look Ahmed. like him a little bit. Riz Ahmed. That just makes me racist. But yeah. <laughs> I was like, how did they bring him back? He was in Rogue One. That's not... Oh, I'm racist. Yeah, not him. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so he has an aversion to droids, but that's actually not uncommon in Star Wars uh, in general. Um, it could be possibly because of the uh, the droid separatist arm war that happened. A lot of people just gained a distrust for droids. But there's just this general... Um, kind of uh, prejudice against even people who have uh, cybernetic implants are kind of are, are sort of not uh, they're, they're frowned upon if not outwardly discriminated against I mean think how many people in, in the real world have issues with smart homes or self-driving vehicles or mm. any of those other automated and they're they're luxuries. dying off because that's the future yeah one time my cell phone animatronics Hey, (laughs) (laughs) they have eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, this might make you happy then. Apparently, Chuck E. Cheese is finally getting rid of all of their robots. It it does make me happy. Yeah. Now you can go again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, Carl Weathers tells him about another bounty that doesn't, is, is unorthodox. And he goes to meet up. It's Werner Herzog. And he is dressed as an Empire officer? Yep. Yep. He has stormtroopers with him. Four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a piece of Beskar metal that's been branded with Empire logo. Yep, yep. To pay him. It's half of his payment. I don't it's quite understand. Payment. So it kind of, something brought up that was at the cantina, like the, the two guys that were picking on him or trying to pick a fight with him. Asked him if he was wearing Beskar armor. Yep. And they scraped the, the knife on the back of it. Was he? Parts, yes. Um, this may be considered a spoiler, but I think throughout this series, or at least this season, he's going to be earning more and more pieces of armor. Yeah, okay, but see, yeah. if he already has Beskar armor, then why does he need to earn more pieces of armor? It's a Mandalorian thing. You're supposed to constantly build up your armor, and you're also supposed to, like, when you have children or foundlings, you give them your armor. You pass too. it on. Okay. Yeah, so it's 
just like he can't take off his helmet. It's just one of those Mandalorian creeds. And you always have to have your weapon with you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the piece that the the forger, the the weaponer makes with the piece of Beskar that he got from Werner Herzog mm-hmm. um, replaces his His name shoulder. is the client, apparently. Yeah, I'm going to call him Werner Herzog, <laughs> even if it takes me forever to say the name. All right. Okay. Um, it replaces his shoulder pad or his shoulder armor, whatever you want to call Pauldron. it. Pauldron. Okay. And... What would, so what happens to the piece that was already there if that was also Beskar armor? I don't think, think that, that was. was. Yeah. Jinx. <laughs> How do you know? That doesn't make any... That's what I'm talking about. You can't Look, just say this is that and that is not there's, that. There's different levels of, of alloys that they use in Star Wars. The Some of the cheapest is called plastisteel. That's what the stormtroopers use. It's essentially literally like tinfoil yeah um, obviously because yeah, it doesn't stop shit. yeah because it doesn't do anything it's just meant to be imposing and it's mass easily mass producible then you have higher levels like durasteel and uh other things and then yes um uh, beskar is one of the strongest alloys it's prized mainly because of its rarity it's, think of it like mithril armor from like lord of the rings um it's not as common it's very expensive it's very useful for different things you can use it as currency and you can use it as armor and rebels i believe they even weaponize it making it turning it into like a super weapon with that armor or that that metal um but yes it's the idea is that you're constantly building up your armor to make it better and better any armor that you then no longer need usually gets passed on to someone else within your clan or your family in this case they make a specific mention to say that the remains of your armor uh, or the metal will be used to help foundlings. Mm-hmm. And he's totally cool with that. It was like, yeah, that's awesome. Because he was a foundling. Yes, because he also, too, was a foundling. So there's, there's this very strong initiative to support the, the next generation and pass things on. And I think part of the reason that in the first scene they were checking it is is because depending on how much of your armor has been upgraded kind of indicates how good of a fighter you are, how mm. successful you are, how worried do they need to be. Or how rich you are. Mm-hmm. Sure. So <laughs> he uses the little bit of money that he got from Carl Weathers to get this made uh, by the forger, and then he goes off and on to this new mission, gets to this planet. We don't know what planet it is. You're positing that it might be uh, Tatooine. It might be. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, do Jawas have the ability to star travel? No, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have been spread out somehow throughout different planets. Uh, it's just unlikely. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he gets to the he gets to the planet. He gets attacked by the tadpole frog things. Blurg. Sure. And uh, are you even watching this show? Much? I I am, but I'm not gonna keep tra- just like <laughs> Game of Thrones. I don't keep track of the names of the ridiculous shit. <laughs> it's a tadpole frog thing. All right, fair enough. Uh, and at uh, least at least make up your own like creative names for them, like they do with those videos of like, hey, Grandma tries naming all these Game of Thrones characters, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's the the bird face guy. <laughs> Tadpole frog thing. <laughs> it looks exactly like it in the chart when you see the tadpole that tadpole middle, growing into middle of the tadpole. Exactly. Frog. See, she knows. <laughs> there's, got a, it. there's a word for that middle stage. I can't remember off the top of my head. Somebody's got to look up the chart. 
Then uh, he meets Nick Nolte, or Nick Nolte's character of Quee. Quill? K-U-I-I-L. See, that's why I don't say these names, because they don't make any sense. Quill. What's so hard of them? Quill. That's... N- it's Quill. <laughs> Whatever. Just think Peter Quill. But but Peter Quill is spelled the way Quill is spelled. And this is, sounds like it's supposed to be spelled. Yeah. Okay. So he meets Nick Nolte, who decides <laughs> to go ahead and, and help him. And why? He says he wants peace, but that doesn't make any sense. Well, because the people that are settling there, all of those uh, weak ways or whatever they were, uh, they're disrupting the balance of the local area. Um, Not the guy who just came in and tried to kill his tadpole frog things. Tadpole with legs. It, tadpole with legs. It's well, literally called a tadpole with legs. Yeah. He kind of sees... Wow, biology has failed me. If it had four legs, Fair it'd enough. be a froglet. froglet which is what I think <laughs> you were thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so... Anyway, what were we talking about? I'm just saying that Quill, it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense for Quill's character to help oh, out the what, Mandalorian. I mean, uh, obviously... That's what not, he said. What, the that, Mandalorian? That's, that's what he said. No, the guy. That's the... He had, like, things. Like, he just... I understand, but that's, like... just a simple guy. That's, that's just... You're just throwing just, in a... Because. Like, yeah. it's not... It's not a real reason. Yeah, why do you need a real reason? <laughs> because that's how stories look, work. Look how upset she got. She almost knocked her mic over. Jarvis <laughs> Yes, Jarvis is upset by this whole thing. No, it's it's essentially like you have a, an invading, like unwelcome presence. Here comes another one that's obviously coming to deal with them. You're like, hey, I know what you're here to do. I want you to do that. Let me help you to get this done faster. The enemy That's, of my enemy is my, my friend. friend. <laughs> yeah, because they look like they were doing so much damage out there. Of just we don't they were disrupting yet. his peace. You know why they were disrupting his peace? Because other bounty hunters kept coming and trying to shoot at and them. And they're still going to keep on coming. So you might as well help the one that can so, probably so actually do it. you should just go ahead and it. kill all the refugees. Sometimes. Because, you know, other people are trying to come kill them. You know what would be funny is if these people were actually good guys. They probably were. And they were like trying to hold on to like the last member of Yoda species. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> because we are working. The Mandalorian is working for the Empire. Just we know it's the, bad. The Empire doesn't necessarily have to be bad. But it is bad. It is bad. <laughs> it is bad. And now that we know that the, bad. That the, uh, the Palpatine isn't dead. Do we? That's we his name, know. right? Yes, Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sheev but, Palpatine. But we don't know that for certain. We... He's going to be in the next movie. Just because you hear his voice doesn't mean anything. How dare you, that people? Just been, been a <laughs> yeah, Yoda's dead. Still hear his voice sometimes. Yeah. All of the time. <laughs> okay, he so even Ghost Force Ghost Palpatine is still moving stuff around there. You know, every oh time God. there was like a hologram transmission, I'm sure those were recorded on some kind of black box somewhere. And it's just like, a, you know, all these, like, it's like your Snapchat, you know, story. It's uh, just, it's all going to be on there somewhere yeah. in the holonet. So someone's just playing that stuff over and over? Yeah, mm-hmm. It could be, yeah. yeah. Talk be. about a great scare tactic. Hey, it's still being used. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're right or if I'm right. Like, it's <laughs> he's still evil. Yeah. Yes, but that doesn't mean that the portion of the Empire that's in the Mandalorian is evil. We don't know that yet. <sighs> I mean, I actually do have a theory that the the... the 
portion of that's helping that's telling the Mandalorian to get the Yoda species baby thing <laughs> out back is is not really Empire. I think they're undercover or a rebel faction or whatever you want to call it. But that wouldn't but be that's rebels just anymore. But whatever. On kind of to to continue this because uh I want to get to my favorite part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the bounty hunter droid for the IG first eleven. IG eleven, not IG eighty eight. No, which is the one that was in Empire Strikes Back, but okay. essentially the same thing. Because um, droids are the same. That thing <laughs> was so freaking awesome. Taika Waititi is I awesome. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it moved and sounded exactly like I've always wanted it to yeah. act in like live action. <laughs> the only time you've ever seen him in anything else outside of like this or empire i believe he was briefly shown in the droids cartoon okay um and he was one of the villains in or one of the the boss characters that you got to fight in i want to say it was shadows of the empire and in that he sounded and moved very similar to this but this live action realization of it was so cool that like i figure if somebody wasn't in by this point then why are you even watching? Just go away and watch DuckTales or whatever because this thing is awesome. <laughs> this is everything I've ever wanted to see in an action-focused Star Wars story dealing with the underside. 1313 never got to happen, unfortunately. That was going to deal a lot with the dirty underside of the Star Wars universe. Shadow of the Empire will probably never be made live action. So this is the closest we're really going to get to that. And it was freaking awesome. Okay. Plus, he was funny. He was so charming. He was a droid, but he was so charming. I was like, oh, I'm cornered. And then he shot him him through the head. Yes. Which I also think I heard that they have Taika Waititi returning for more episodes after this one. So I'm guessing they reused his voice for a different IG model. I mean, they're made on an assembly line, so it could just be another IG. Yeah. Um, All the IGs. Okay. So, yes, we got got IG-11. We got a cool shootout. Mm -hmm. We got... Uh, a, a cool weapon that the whatever that race of beans was that was using at against them like basically laser gatling gun yeah thing. uh and yeah <laughs> uh they use those in empire yeah okay. i feel like i've seen those in video games too and then uh eventually they get in which that also upset me they used that gatling gun laser gatling gun to shoot down the door but yet there was no holes in that door which they were standing in front of when they were when they were being shot at. No, they, no. there was tons of holes on the walls and the columns though. But not the doors. They weren't standing they weren't, in front of the door. Yes, they, no. no, they were next now to the door. Now you're just nitpicking. <laughs> the <Nick>. column. <laughs> you're trying to hate this. Why don't you just let it wash over you? Okay. Uh, when he was in front of the door, that was when they were just shooting at him with their typical laser pistols. That was before. And then he goes behind the column and then the Gatling gun comes out and the column was not in front of the door. It was next to the door. Okay. So they get through the door. He, they find the bounty, the bounty that's supposed to be 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Doesn't understand why he could be inside this little carriage egg looking bowl, ball. Pod, maybe? It's a bassinet. It's a, yeah. Yeah, but it's. It's, it's an alien version it's of an a alien bassinet. bassinet it's, yeah. it's future space stuff. It's not a bassinet. It's a bassinet. It's a, you don't it's know a it's floating a bassinet. bassinet. You don't know that until they open it up. Because if it's not a baby and it's not a bassinet. Correct? It looks so like we, a bassinet. Are we doing Schrodinger's Yoda right here? Yes. <laughs> and it's a baby Yoda. 
And because you have to call it Baby Yoda because we don't know what the race of Yoda is called. It's the most adorable thing so in the if, universe. If you remove a baby out of a bassinet, is it no longer a bassinet? It is already a bassinet because you already know it's a bassinet because the baby was in it. Yeah. It's a bassinet Since when it comes you know off the, the baby. assembly yeah. line before a baby gets I'm talking about in the show. You didn't Within know the show. That you didn't know what it was. It was a bassinet until the baby until it opens up and you see a baby. It, it, but we can now call it a bassinet because we, we know there's a baby in it. But I'm I'm talking about the way I'm referring <laughs> to the show is that we're moving. <laughs> Let's leave the bassinet talk behind. <laughs> you brought it back up. <laughs> Anyways, talk about old man baby Yoda. Fifty year old baby. Freaking adorable. This means that the baby was born before Phantom Menace. Yes. 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 What does that imp- imply from the people who know Star Wars? No idea. He's lived through <laughs> what? the first two trilogies. Yeah, there we go. That's it. That's all that implies. It doesn't <laughs> imply so that far because wasn't Yoda supposed to talk when, when Yoda dies? That was supposed to be the end of his race. No, that is never said anywhere. He was supposed to be one of the last Jedi. I mean, when yeah. he dies at that point, it's only Luke. But that's the thing. We know practically nothing about yoda's race but we don't even know what his race is called we assume yes, we've said that, that several times during this episode we assume that like <laughs> everybody in universe is just so used to it that you know they don't talk about it out loud so that we the audience can hear that mm-hmm. but it's not even in any of the encyclopedias it's just it's completely just like nope we don't talk about that however his existence and from that far for, for that long on this desert planet, your assertion that it's Tatooine makes me think that Tatooine just becomes like a, here, we don't know what to do with it. Dump it <laughs> off on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. Which makes the whole concept of this is a place people come for peace. Seem weird. Yeah. Seem weird. Because we just dump all of our potentially dangerous. Well, we don't know how long <laughs> that yeah. baby's been there for. Um, well, except it's the last known location. Known location. Last known location is From 50 place, years yes. ago. Mm, well, no, not we know 50 it's 50 years, years old, but not that it's from 50 years prior. He says, the client says... Werner Herzog? Yep. <laughs> Whatever. Um, says, what I can give you is his last known location, which is from 50 years ago, and I can give you the last four digits of his identification code. The, the identification code tells you that he's 50 years old. Cause yeah, it, the identification that's his birthday. Is his, is his birthday, his birth year. But he says that the last known location is also from 50 years ago. Okay. I don't remember I that. I missed that. Yeah. yeah. Cause Either that's, way. Because that's why, because Mandalorian, the, our main character was like, well, how am I supposed to know that he's still there? Then Quill has been hating those people living there for 50 years. I mean, is, he looks pretty old too. So. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. He's an Ugnot, by the way. Sure. <laughs> you see them in Empire. They cool. work in the uh, the refuse facility. He did say that he'd been a servant for a long time, and now he's retired. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's probably the guy that found the remains of C three PO after he was blown up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the I thought in the beginning of the second episode when they're when uh, the Mandalorian, which I, I hate the fact that we aren't saying a name for him yet. We can call him the Mando. Okay, so while he's traveling with the baby back to his ship, he gets attacked by yet another set of bounty hunters mm-hmm. that are there to kill it. I believe those are Trandoshan. 
they are not the same race as the people that were protecting the baby? No. no. They look, look the same to me. They look the, they look like the race of aliens uh, that you also see in Empire called Bosk. Uh, kind of reptilian looking face. Sure. He's one of the bounty hunters that's being sent to look for Han. Han. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, then that's fine. It's it's another another race. They're different. Yeah. He gets and those were actual bounty hunters. We still don't know exactly what those other people were, other than just kind of guarding, guarding that villa. And they, uh, he gets back to his ship. He sees Jawas are taking it apart. He sh- he evaporates like four or five of them <laughs> mm-hmm. with his taser gun. No disintegrations. Um. But like you said, he start, he crawls on the side of it. That doesn't work. Why not go for the ship that the obvi- obvious other bounty hunters came in? Because it probably has a droid. Well, you can't know until or you show up. People guarding it. Plus, well, it's an entire planet. What, are you just going to yeah, keep walking it's, the it's blow? They couldn't have been moment. that far away. Well, he had to take a blurg from his location to... Wherever and, it was, because he had to go through mountains and stuff. And they didn't have a blurg, so that means they walked. They didn't walk as far. Or they could have been dropped off. Okay, fine. <laughs> You're just searching for plot holes. That <laughs> is intentionally trying to ruin this. So instead, <laughs> you want me to believe that him and an old man rebuilt a whole space starcraft? Yes. In uh, less than a day. Yes. Yeah. No, it's multiple days. This is a space fantasy. This is not <laughs> yeah, meant to have realistic physics. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember this. It's a storm. in any other show that we talk about. I'm gonna bring this stuff back up <laughs> as long as it's good. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, all three of you. <laughs> I feel like Stephen would be on my side if he was here. Oh, but he's not. No. <laughs> and plus, this is like a spiritual successor to Fly or Fly. It is not. No, <laughs> How dare you? That it isn't. That it isn't. No. Don't do that. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm, you're losing me on that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he go. He Quill convinces him to barter with the um, Jawas. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm with the Mandalorian, why should I have to pay for the stuff that you stole from me? Because that is the way of the universe. And then they, uh, he goes and he has to defeat the rhino thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the egg. For the egg, which is a hairy egg, which is odd. I like call it the woolly egg. Okay, the woolly <laughs> egg. It, like, when they opened the egg, it really reminded me of Winnie the Pooh's honey. Yes. Like it's a, the first thing that came to mind is when Winnie the Pooh digs his bog. It's like the sticky honey. Although not gonna lie, this that was the grossest part of both of these episodes to me. Like the guy getting cut in half by the door, not a problem. Oh, that was cool. fine. People getting you know blown up or evaporated, just, also fine. But like, let me just open an egg and scoop it out like a custard. Like yeah, and obviously yeah. the yolk is already broke inside the egg. Like I know. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Um, the, the, the thing obviously was hard to kill mm-hmm. and was he giving up at the end there right before the Yoda baby shaves, saves him? He's, well, he's kneeling and he has the knife out. I think was he going to pull a move at the last second to like jump to the side and stab it? I think he was expecting to be swallowed and try and cut his way out if he he's going to drag it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's what he was betting on. Yeah. He's like, well, if it doesn't chew me, yeah. maybe I can yeah. 
cut oh. it from the inside. Like it's one of the. All right, I'm gonna have to take another hit, and hopefully the hit doesn't kill me because okay. I'll be able to stab it when I get the hit. I think that's what it was gonna be. I think it's like I gotta risk a hit to so stab this thing. Here's the biggest problem I have with the show so far. <laughs> Let's go. The baby uses the force. You're gonna have to. Now reiterate to me what exactly the force is because I feel like it's contradicting what I've already learned from the movies. How is the baby able to use the force? I think this is where we're going to get into why the Yoda race is so unknown is what I'm assuming. So it's not a random thing anymore. It's completely this certain race has most of the powers or... Yeah. That is a known thing. Because, yeah. Extremely in tune. In Star Wars, uh, there used to be a race called the Wills. They were considered Mm. to be the strongest force users. So is the Yoda race the Wills? We don't know. Then you can't use that. But there are races that are are, a predilection towards... Yes. And you do kind of see that in the prequels when they kind of show that there is some sort of genetic predisposition to being good with the force granted a lot of people don't like that predisposition but they do mention that anakin has a lot of whatever in his blood or whatever so there could be a race that naturally has a lot of what is it metachlorians or whatever in their blood and maybe that's yoda's race maybe they're just naturally good at the force just like all these people had to be trained at some point to use the force. Even Luke has to be trained. Yeah, but Ray wasn't. Yeah. But she's also an adult. Yeah. It, but one would assume yeah. it's easier. I mean, if you think about all of our magical lore, children mm-hmm. tend to be the strongest bonded because they have no preconceived notions about what is or isn't possible. So it would make sense that a child would actually have a stronger connection but not necessarily have the focus which is why you see him play at it earlier in the episode but until instinct has to set in because Mm -hmm. of the danger he can't actually utilize what he has the ability to do the force is something you can train and make stronger and focus but it also exists as a raw form of energy or talent that someone we, can manipulate we have, even with yeah. minimal or no training mm-hmm. we have examples of it in our own humankind musical geniuses prodigies they are naturally good at music naturally the first time they get on the piano stuff like that but they still have to train to become yeah, amazing at but it you don't have a infant getting on the on the piano and just start it's 50 years old infant it's it's 50 years old in in our time there's like three-year-olds that are prodigies but the evolution of that that species has it as an infant still it it, that's it literally looks like an infant it could be like well they're always small yodo doesn't look (laughs) the age it looks like an old toddler (laughs) toddler. it walks it's a toddler valid five (laughs) okay sure this Their is, race is great. It's cool. They, I'm they just have, saying, they it's, still, it's only the second episode. And we yet, don't need all the answers yet. I don't want all the answers. I just don't want it to be so easy for the characters. But it's adorable. Uh-huh. See? <laughs> 
And that's why it's getting to you guys. It's the, the nostalgia and the fact that it's adorable. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is something wrong. That's Why? Because that, that's false. That you're, it's making you care for a story that you don't actually care for but yet. But I actually do care for the yeah, story. I'm much more invested but, in this than with episode nine. What I do find it quite intriguing just... That yes, that there's a baby Yoda, and yes, it's adorable. But I do like learning more about the Mandalorians, and I I do like. But how you haven't learned in. more about the Mandalorians yet. We yes, I did. I did. As we go, we're learning. I happen I happen to know about the Mandalorians before this because exactly. I met the Mandalorians of Arizona, uh-huh. and I asked them questions, <laughs> and I went to their panel. But that was all I knew. But even then, I never knew from the Star Wars universe that Mandalorians build their armor. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know they couldn't take off their helmet. And now I know that. Which got to make it hard to, to eat, right? Well, they got that space on the bottom they can kind of put a spoon up in. Like I said, hard. No. I hard, assume they can't different. take off their helmet when they're around anybody, is what I'm going to assume, unless they're with other Mandalorians. Okay. But I do actually like this show. I do actually like the writing of it, too. But I've always like that formula it's just a formula that i fall for i'm sorry like, you don't have to be sorry like, I'm, well, not, I'm, just I'm not saying anybody has to be guilty of liking the show you can like this show it's completely yeah. fine and by the way uh, at the beginning of the show when he's going back to his ship with the little yellow baby floating in this little bassinet thing uh-huh. um, which at this point wouldn't they make it more of a stroller than a bassinet no right. <laughs> this floating bassinet following him around <laughs> It reminded me so much of Lone Wolf and Cub. Everything reminds everybody of Lone Wolf and Cub. If you have an adult and a baby or adult and a child, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. But he's also a masterless Ronin, you know, you know, surviving. Is he masterless? The- he he obviously works within the guild. He well, works within the jobs. Mandalorians too, so he Yeah, and he goes back to the to the Mandalorians. All I'm saying is that Lone Wolf and Cub set in the Star Wars universe is like all the yes in the world for me. <laughs> It was made for cool. us, okay? That's what it is. It's made for John and I. I mean, Star Wars was, it cribbed so much from Akira Kurosawa anyway. It did. So it's like, not like this is a new thing, nope. but it's, it's doing it right. Yeah. It's doing what we want the right way, mm-hmm. even if it's like, well, no, that's dumb because blah, 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 blah. Am I am I really sounding like yes. that? Yes. Am I not giving yes. valid reasons of no. what? No, of my, you're really not because oh most of your things, most of the things you're pointing out, will probably be answered further down the line. Now, if they're not, then okay, bring it back up. But it's just the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think you're still mostly just upset about the fact that they aren't an hour long. I yeah, I, I really <laughs> feel like all of this stems from the fact that you you would, if you are going to buy into this world building concept, want more material to work with at the outset. Yeah, more questions than we're currently getting. Yes, we're only getting one or two questions per an episode, which is really bothersome is my impression you, that it's very bothersome for you because if you're world building worlds have thousands of questions, hundred millions of questions, yeah. not a few. Whereas, but this world already exists and it's existed for a while. Yeah. And every time that they try to do something different in this world, mm-hmm. they, people shut it down. 
Not always. Yes. What happened to the prequels, which are all about expanding the universe of Star Wars, and everybody just pans it and hates it? Because it was done terribly. It was done terribly. Except there are yeah, there, there are, are people elements. who really like them. And yeah. they get shut down. I like elements of it. I don't necessarily love the writing of it. I like the plot of it. The plot is great. Yes, I always wanted to know how Darth Vader got so screwed up, but I just wish they wrote it a little better. I yeah. mean, there's... I. I can't stand sand. That's just that whole thing. It's that whole just it was just bad writing that I don't like about it. Other than that, I like the general plot. I do like seeing Anakin turn to the dark side. Okay. What were you going to say, John? I was going to say, just speaking of horrible lines from the prequels, I remember... we didn't need to get into that. I just remember cringing so hard when I was watching Attack of the Clones, and they say, the day that we stop believing in democracy is the day that we lose it. And they say, let's pray that day never comes. I'm like, oh my God. What the hell, George? He's got no one to blame but himself for that. I mean... Are you going to sit there and tell me there aren't corny lines in the original trilogy? When it's done right, there's corny lines in The Princess Bride. Is that a bad movie? No. no. Because I'm not works. the one calling it corny. You are. Or I'm not the one that's complaining about it. But you are complaining about things having callbacks. and I'm complaining having, about, yes, I am complaining and that. things staying in line with what was originally done, except... I guess my question is: Is why is that necessarily a bad thing? Why, why is why are callbacks a bad thing? Why are you know? I feel playing to, those to me, bad? I feel like it's it's not a bad thing. I think that the when you rely solely on that is a bad thing. I don't think that you're introducing enough new stuff to compete with the callbacks, and that's my biggest problem I had with the Force Awakens. I feel like that was just a giant callback to New Hope. Everything in that movie is it exactly the same as a New Hope. So when you get to this show, when you're introducing a character called the Mandalorian, we don't even get a name for him. We get a sliver of a backstory for him. So far. So far, yes. But in two episodes, you learned that he was an orphan, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Do we know how many episodes are going to be? There's going to be eight episodes. Okay. And if... There are going to fluctuate in time between 28 minutes and 39 minutes. You don't have a lot of time to tell a lot of story. Well, fortunately, I think uh, the day that Disney Plus launched, mm-hmm. Fabro tweeted that uh, filming has begun on season two. So Production has begun. Production on, has on begun season, on season two. two. So we're going to get more Mandalorian. So if this first season doesn't quench your thirst for Mandalorian knowledge, there'll be plenty more down the pipeline. And I think Disney is trying to play it safe. They because when they did go when you know when Star Wars went completely off script with the prequels and and it completely did its own thing, there was backlash. So if you're going to get the fan base to accept change, you have to spoon feed it slowly. And you can't just jump. Yeah, but look at how much we have in the media about the fan base of Star Wars alone. Mm-hmm. And every time they try and change everything, change anything, people just jump down their, their throats about it. So why placate to them? Because that's who's watching it. And that's who's going to continue to watch it. And that's who's going to have their kids watch it. And that's who's going to have their grandkids watch it. But you know what? It. Those kids could learn new things. You don't have to keep passing the same story down to them. You don't have to keep... 
why not? We do that with all other folklore, all other fiction, yeah. all other. I mean, most of our stories are just reiterations of the same stories that were told. So, in so you're telling times. me that in, it, you you would rather have tell your kids the story of Alice in Wonderland instead of letting them find the new Harry Potter? Well, I would share both, but that's but see, that's not what I'm saying. Harry Potter was new. It was a new story. It's a new take on a fairly old story. It's you still have a hero's young, journey. Yeah. yeah. It's here. Yes, it's, everything is a hero's journey. Every story is a hero's journey, but these are new characters with new worlds, with new, with new experiences, new history. Okay, so we just watched a show mm-hmm. that was new. And it was called Carnival Row. <laughs> oh, there's going to be misses. There, people are telling stories every day. But you can't sit there and just say, well, this one fucked it up, so let's just go and tell the same thing again. But all of these things... I mean, Disney is a for-profit corporation. Yes, I, I, it, of course. Nuts and bolts, it is a for-profit co- co- corporation. What they are going to make money on is things that they know will be successful. But should we be just just be happy that they're just going to keep giving you the same thing over and over? If they keep doing it well, sure. There <laughs> you go. That's the important part. Okay. Because, I mean, they've released other Star Wars stuff. But um, this is the first, like like we said, like you said at the very beginning, this feels like it actually has the the the, the fingerprint or the... the memory of Star Wars. I said that's what other it. people have been saying. I didn't say that's what I said. Well, not, not, not that that's what's coming from you, but you said that. Okay. Yeah, that was my point. All right. This feels like I Star Wars. I just want people to know that for a fact. I haven't seen anything that feels like Star Wars in a long time, at least in the last 10 years. And this feels like it. And for that, I am at the very least being open-minded, but I also feel confident in saying that it's probably my favorite property right now. And the, the number one reason why I got Disney Plus, uh, during the time that The Mandalorian is not on, I might not even keep the subscription going. I'll just be coming back and forth to it. Okay. Uh, the, the episode ends with the, the Mandalorian taking off from this desert planet in his Spaceballs Winnebago uh, spaceship. <laughs> I think it's a converted Republic gunship. It looks like a Winnebago. Uh-huh. but other than that uh we have to wait another week for the next episode they do episodes every friday until the i want to say the 18th because then they'll do an episode on the wednesday instead because the 20th is when episode nine comes out so are there any speculations that the this show is going to tie directly into episode nine hmm I think it will because of the Yoda baby. To that note, uh, so I wanted to come back to this at a later, well, at this is probably the best time. The Riza Med guy that came out of the room during the Werner Herzog meeting. Right. Um, this was a really, really quick thing, but if you look at this badge or this insignia that he wore on his arm, he looked like he was some kind of scientist. And if you look up what that symbol means in Star Wars lore or canon, it's actually the symbol of the cloners from Kamino. So do you think he's just a clone of, of Yoda? Uh, no, I think that guy is trying to find this baby to make clones hmm. because of their force potential as maybe some kind of way of, uh, you know, some kind of plot to bring back the Empire, maybe. That's my theory so far. None of this has been confirmed or I've seen it otherwise. But other people have also noticed the same symbol and be like, hey, that's the thing that 
the Kaminia ones used to put on the uh, the Boba Fett clones or the the Jango Fett clones. So it's, that could be why they need him alive, and if not alive, at least bring back an exa- a sample of it. Will we ever have any uh, tie-in with Jango or Boba in the show? It's possible. I've heard a rumor that not. we might see. Oh, yeah, I hope not. I heard a rumor we might see uh, Obi Wan in it. I mean, he is Obi Wan supposed to be getting his own series on Disney Plus, so yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, why not? Why do you hope not? No connection or no reference to Jango or Boba. I mean, those are pretty prominent Mandalorians in Star Wars. But they were Mandalorians. Yeah. They wore Mandalorian armor, and we knew them as Mandalorians when they first showed up. I had no idea they were Mandalorians. <laughs> I just knew they were a bounty hunter that wore armor. Okay. Um, for me it's a matter of because while I don't have the I appreciate the callbacks and I appreciate the connections to the Star Wars we know I don't necessarily want it to be that I want it to be a slight expansion Mm -hmm. and I think the best way to do that is to continue to have those heavy callbacks without the direct connections yeah Okay. Anything else you would like to say about the Mandalorian before we move on to the next show? Well, to uh, Beth's point, Star Wars is meant to be a universe-spanning property, and we've spent way too much in a very small sliver following the same characters. So, yeah, if we get something far removed from everything else and just kind of explore some new areas, talk to some new people, I think then... That would be pretty cool. It's literally what I've been saying this whole time. Yeah. Okay. So you, I want it, you want it with no connection to what's been done. No, I just don't want it to be straight up callbacks. Like, you're, if you're just... Okay, we got into it earlier. So. <laughs> the Watchmen, episode four. <laughs> Let's see, what was it called? It was called... Something, write if, your own story. If you don't like right. my story, write your own. We finally get to see Lady True. Woo. Very first episode. She's somebody. <laughs> uh, the, there's a family in Oklahoma that is selling eggs on the street side. The Clarks. The Clarks on the, on the side of the street. They uh, obviously... Oh, that's interesting. I guess I didn't put that together. <laughs> yep. So they are uh, selling eggs. And as they are getting ready for bed, they hear a knock on the door. Lady True says she has you have three minutes to decide whether or not you're going to uh, take my offer and sell me your 40 acres. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, we know that you couldn't have a baby. I created a baby for you. More babies. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you don't decide to take my offer, I will find another family for this baby to, to go to. But this is well, your first, baby. First, she joked that she would have it destroyed. Right. Um, Which she probably would. I, I think, I yeah. Know. I think yeah. that that was really what was going to happen. <laughs> but uh, she, she said, it's made from your genetic material. It is your baby. So uh, after that, I'm assuming they take the deal. Well, yes. Yeah, they, they signed, signed it. it. Yeah. And as they are leaving, a asteroid or something falls into their 40 acres. Some kind of meteorite. Um. Some kind of meteorite. So just like the Kents, who couldn't have a baby of their own, and eventually a meteorite falls into their acres, or at least close to their acres. 
uh, she calculated that this thing was going to fall there, and that's it. Thus, it was hers. Yep. Now that she owns the forty acres. Yep. And I have a theory that that was Adrian Veidt. Okay, that's a very cool theory. Why? Um. Well, because wherever Adrian Veidt is, it looks like he's trying to escape it, and he's trying to make some kind of a spacesuit to because it looks like the environment is very frigid and without oxygen. Which means, uh, and because of one of the transitions that happens in the episode, it's kind of hinted at that he might be on the moon. You think it'd be that blatant, though? I mean, with Lindelof we're talking about. So. And so I don't think it would be that blatant. No? No, I don't think Lindelof would, would show you the moon as he's searching at a way to get out. I don't think he would be that blatant. Okay, well, then we shall see. I, okay. I think it's more virtual reality. You think he might be encased in that statue? Ooh, I didn't think about that. That could be. That's a good one. That'd be interesting. He could be inside the whatever that giant clock that she's building. But is. he launches the clones or what? Uh, whatever they are. <laughs> I forgot I've just remembered that scene. Um, he launches <laughs> disturbing. <laughs> he launches them and they disappear with a rope. Because remember the, the last episode, he put him in the suit. And then he put a rope around him, a long rope. And then you saw him launching the people. And then I'm pretty sure in the preview for the next episode, it showed him launching somebody in a suit with the rope. Oh, I didn't see so that. So I assume that was, he's I launching the them past them. Especially him. when you see him catapulting the, the dead bodies, you see them disappear before they should. Right. Yeah. So I assume he's launching them past whatever that point is and then pulling them back in right. with the rope. And they're cold. And desolate, which makes me think space. Okay. Or Mars. I mean, Mars is or Mars. cold. Could too, be Mars, yeah. Yeah. Mars is in space. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> well, it's it's not open space, though. Mars. Actually, does Mars have an atmosphere? Yeah. Uh, not a thick little bit. A little bit, but a very yeah. thin one. Oh, okay. That was the problem with the Martian. It's not there, like... There was no. There would be no reason for the ship to fall over. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, like on the moon, that's just straight up in space. There's nothing around it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a point to say about that. Now I lost it. Oh, yeah. that I think that clock that they're doing, it might be some kind of time machine. Why would she want to go back in time? There seems to be a lot of talk about memory in this episode and the little girl that's supposed to be lady true's daughter Mm -hmm. apparently has some very vivid memories that are not hers um i assumed that was lady true's memory i assumed as well i assumed it was lady true's mother that she cloned oh into her her daughter makes sense yeah because she makes comment about how her mother said she should never leave vietnam and i kind of felt like she would also and so she brought up Vietnam with her instead, as, uh, as well as her mother. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a good point. I don't think that. Um, but yeah, I think they're playing around with the idea of somehow carrying over genetic memory um, into future generations. I mean, there was a lot of talk of legacy from her at the beginning of the episode. Like once you die, what's left? Nothing. You know, the only legacy is your children and you have none. So here's one for you. Um, I mean, that's kind of what Watchmen is. Watchmen has always been about legacy and what you leave behind and who, who you leave behind. Yeah. So I think uh, there's something at play there as like some kind of um, pseudo-immortality, maybe. 
is having a way of your memories or your mind to continue into a new body, possibly a clone body, to, you know, basically fight the ravages of time and aging. Which I think uh, the idea of legacy also brings into an interesting theory that I heard about uh, from this episode. Lady True is also the daughter of the comedian. Oh, yeah, that she survived getting shot mm-hmm. in uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. You think maybe Manhattan felt bad for her afterwards? Like, um, it's like, oh yeah, I didn't save your mom, but I'm gonna save you. And mm. that's or actually, it could have just been another lady that the comedian raped or <laughs> had sex with in Vietnam. Well, we do know that that was his style. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, that would make her and Silk Spectre, uh, or I should say, Laura Blake sisters. Yeah. And they uh, when they meet. Uh, at in Lady True's conservatory or whatever it is. Oh, technically, uh, Angela could also be uh, a product of um, comedian rape, if you think about it. I mean, she was born in Vietnam. Possibly. She was, but she knows her parents. No, she doesn't. They were killed, she said. She was an orphan. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess it's a possibility. Um, that comedian got around. Yeah. I'm sure it would have it would have showed up in the it would have showed up on the history tree that we saw if it, if her mother her father was a comedian. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, they didn't have identifiers for her parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her okay. parents' identities were unknown. Mm-hmm. So um, then, uh, Lady True knowing. Silk Spectre's uh, history and also did she know Sister Knight's history? Yes, because yeah. she mm-hmm. said your grandfather wants to know if that's right. you mm-hmm. have his pills. Okay. So it wouldn't be too out there. No. 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 Um, but now we're starting to put the pieces together that uh, you know the reason why they even go to Lady True in the first place was because she has those uh, floating, no. yeah, those gyrocopter things, whatever those are, that can go uh, at least a hundred kilometers or uh, as far as a hundred kilometers. Yes, and uh, you know, obviously the the car was taken from and returned to the same spot, which is that plaza that's near where that clock tower facility is, whatever that is, somewhat section. near, yeah. So they deduce, okay, so let's like you know, this is one of the ways that they could have taken the vehicle let's go look there see who was piloting one of those things on those two nights and that's how we end up there in the first place um which by the way easter egg this is the same facility that they use in avengers endgame is it yep that uh, doubles as basically shield hq oh okay that large warehouse looking area um (laughs) we also got to meet a new costumed person and elizabeth had a very cool uh theory on who that is oh is it um Petey? yeah i mean i he's got the same build say definitely the same build and he would be obsessed with superheroes or yeah. costume yeah. heroes that's what i thought at first until he lubed his way into the sewer and i was like wait what <laughs> like that could dude, he do that he, like i don't know he really knew his way around there though like i felt like he would have been a local. yeah and that too he knew his way too well like he knew where the chain was that was hiding he pulled something and that didn't seem like a person that just came into town unless he scoped it out yeah he could does have. like to do his research. Yeah. Uh, he could have been following Angela to kind of keep tabs on her for Lori. For Blake, yeah. yeah. 
All I th- could think about though was when he did his big final stunt and like lubes himself into that sewer, <laughs> like that rain gutter thing. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like just one wrong move and your head would get caught on that and the neck snaps. That so still like, would oh. hurt. That still would hurt. I don't. You're no way convinced me that didn't hurt. Yeah, I don't think you can slide on asphalt that well, even if you're lubed up. Yeah, I, no. <laughs> no. I mean, this is one of those things for the geek elite Mythbusters that we got to try one day. I totally volunteered to lube myself up. You'd be the only one that could. <laughs> no. Road rash? Very painful. Well, I'd have to wear, obviously, the, the head-to-toe spandex. No. Let him try. <laughs> Do you want to foot the hospital bill? Uh, he's a grown adult. He can, <laughs> he can he, hospital he, bill himself. Yeah, exactly. A little big, big spaper rub fixes everything. There you no, go. No, Robitussin. No, no. That it's not mm, chicken soup. I'm more sprite. concussions too, and just. So speaking of Adrian biting <laughs> disgusting things. Oh, gr- fetus fishing. Stop it. No. Don't you just hate it when your this? fetus is uh, is undercooked God. and you just have to throw it right back no, in the lake? It's just the weirdest. It, it gasps a little bit. I thought the squid's like, raining nah. down. Was weird. This was so gross. And this was just <laughs> literally was like, what the hell is in that basket? Those were some good fetus like, puppets. I gotta the, tell you that. What am I watching? <laughs> and then it was exceptionally painful to listen to oh, him to grow it. them. No. Oh. Yes. When your bones grow that quickly, it hurts. I assume. <laughs> Dude, that thing looked like the Vita Ray machine from Captain it, America. It really didn't. I think that's what they were definitely wanting you to yeah. to think about with that scene. So uh, at all. I mean, we see the way that he grows Phillips and Prudence. He doesn't grow them, though. He's like, I'm not your maker, but I'm your master. Oh, okay. Well, he didn't create I mean, he, them, he but doesn't he grows create them. them. Sorry, yeah. he, he, but he, he grows them. Makes them bigger, I guess. But he Phillips doesn't. Phillips and Crookshanks. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, either way, he went through his current supply of them <laughs> somehow because he murdered them all. Because he was upset. He, he had a rough night. Are they people? They're living creatures. It could be murder. Are they? They're sentient enough. <laughs> also, it's they, interesting. This gets back into John and I's talk okay, about wait. digital beings. We're not going there. <laughs> you don't know. They could be robots. You'd have to see. No, they look organic. If they can grow without the machine. We'd have to see that. I feel like, and I feel like that's the Watchmen guy. The guy that's watching him, the warden, the warden, oh, okay. the game warden, game warden. Maybe he's one that grew naturally, and maybe because he still calls him master and stuff. Well, who else? Like do we- maybe he didn't have the machine at the time, and so maybe that's why the game warden has more of a sense of self. Could be. Who and else? If so have we then, seen- yes, they are human beings, and yes, it'd be murder. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking because he says, even though I'm not your creator. I was like, who else have we seen creating life in this episode so far? In this episode? Yeah. I don't know. Lady True. Oh, okay. She yeah. made that baby for those other people. So if she can so, do that. Well, and she clearly knows what Adrian Knight looks like at this point because the, the statute is a replica. I was like, why is he so old? And yeah. she was like, because he is old. Right. But he's presumed dead. So she talks like she knows that he's still alive, or at least this is how he looks like in the present. Right. And she bought his company after... He disappeared. After he disappeared, She's so keeping the company for him, it seems like. Yeah. Maybe. Or yeah. I mean or yeah, she she's kind of also just doing what she wants. Yeah. Or she locked him away and took his company. Oh, yeah. 
Or is waiting for him buy? to come back? Or is waiting? I mean, there's a lot of questions. Yes. A lot of things. Well, because it implied... You don't seem to have a problem with the questions being asked in this it, Because there's show. a lot of them. She she broke it down for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his problem is there's not enough questions in The Mandalorian. Well, it's... I don't think that doesn't show that much about questions except just kind of following him on his adventures. It's like a serial. We're not going back to The Mandalorian. Okay. Let's stick on okay. this one. Anyway, I think... I don't think she locked him up, at least not without his consent, because he states in the episode previous to this, we get the impression that he came to his prison or his willingly. Yeah. Even in this episode, he talks about how he loved the fact that he was in this paradise to himself Mm -hmm. and, you know, you didn't have to worry about anything anymore. But now that he's lived here, it sucks. It, It sucks being here by himself and not having anything to do. So... It's like all those people who talk about wanting their own private island and to not have to deal with anybody else. They wouldn't actually like the reality that comes with it. There's a reason why the solitary confinement is a, is a punishment in prison, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and he finally did mention that he's been there for four years now. Yes. Yep. So, yes, every episode has been an, an, another year, an anniversary of him being in this prison. Uh so eventually the two times will catch up and maybe uh, it's Adrian Veidt that was the the meteorite falling into the Clark's 40 acres. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, uh, what was it? Something happened at the, the, the ancestry <laughs> tree. Real quick, now that you bring that one up, I wanted to point out that there was two... Uh, eye-rolling puns in this episode. That was one of them, the ancestry. Yeah. And then before that scene, when she's back at her bakery disassembling and destroying the uh, wheelchair, Mm -hmm. you get the voice message of her bakery, and it says, uh, (laughs) let Saigons Saigons be Saigons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, whoa, uh, I'm writing that one down. (laughs) That's too good. But yes, uh, she went to the ancestry. Yes, so then, but that's when the last episode caught up to it. This episode, or this episode caught up with the last episode, because that's when mm-hmm. the car the car, car falls out of the sky. Um, but oh, she finds out who'd she find out from? Oh, she found out from Blake that Will was a cop in New York. Yep, yep. which lines up more and more with uh, the theory that he might have been a masked superhero, right? And also, have you noticed that he wears the hooded justice colors? I didn't. That makes sense. Yeah, he yeah. wears purple with uh, like a deep red or maroon vest. I was like, that's hooded justice, right? And now. it makes more sense that PD would sit there and be like, all that stuff on the show is incorrect because he's the PDpedia yeah. uh, site. Um, also, also, side note, on the latest PDpedia, they have the blueprint schematics for the... Um, <laughs> I want to call it the the Blue Manhattan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. The dildo. Apparently, it was invented by uh, by Dryberg by Night Owl. Oh wow! So it might have been like the a, second the second Night Owl. Yeah, second Night Owl. Yeah. Huh? The one that would have been her like, like her lover or husband boy? at that point. Okay. Yeah, but and like then so, had... then he would have been. He would have been. In prison. Well, no. Well, that was just before no. that, but yeah. Uh, I, I don't. Forget, I don't know what I'm trying to. The word I'm trying to go for. Cuckold. Envious. Oh. Or. Well, maybe he was just trying to give her a little, you know, taste of the old days. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which means that he would have also had to make it taste like a battery. Oh. Okay. Um. That's what? From, that's from the comic. Well, when they're 
Getting into Mitch, he mentions that his skin tastes like a battery. I mean, I'm sure he could have changed that if she told him that. I'm, maybe. Maybe he just liked that. Mm. Um, no, there was something else that... Oh, Lady True, when she's talking to Will, mm-hmm. she's... I, I, I think she was speaking on all the parts of the of the audience at that part where she's like, why don't you just tell her? Why are all this questions, like intrigue and stuff like that? Because she won't believe me. She has to find out right. for herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny. Meta moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they can only show you the door, but you're the one that has to walk through it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, I mean, what's the big reveal then? The thing that she's going to hate him for when she figures it out. In three days time. Well, he's sacrificing time. her family for something. Well. What do you mean? That's what he says. That's what he says. He says, in three days, I will sacrifice her family. I don't think she mean, he means the kids. I think he just means the, her idea of family, like her past. I you wouldn't want to lose that husband, though. Yeah. I, I think he means like her actual family. Yeah. I think she because has an like, idea of what her family before was. Like you said, she doesn't know who her, her mother and her father is, and she's gonna he's gonna have to break that because it's all you're talking about intrigue. You're not talking about literal. So he's sacrificing his her ideology of her yes. family. Except we haven't really gotten an ideology of her family. She literally doesn't know anything. She doesn't have anything i mean we haven't gotten a story like she's told everybody that her family are some sort of heroes or yeah. that they're you know cops or that they, i mean but i think at this moment to her they then they can be anything they can be super great people or they can end up being terrible people but i feel like she's she's a far more pragmatic character than yeah. to have built them up if, at least if she had built them up, we would have heard about it. I mean, quite literally, the first time we hear anything about her family is when she goes to the ancestry tree in this episode. Like, that is... Otherwise, there is no... She doesn't seem to dwell on the past. She has very little reference to it. Unless it's the metaphorical family of being a police officer. And oh. so what the police have done? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's police possible. officers, firefighters, old people in that type of line consider themselves family. See, so. but I, with Lady True's uh, hesitation or concern that Will was getting cold feet, I took it for literal lives. Mm. Like, we are literally, like, to get Adrian Vite back, we're going to send her family or send her to no. that prison. Not Cal. I, could, I mean, yeah, either way, I, I could definitely say it. A life for a life kind of thing. Cal's best man. <laughs> <laughs> Falling in love with him. Um, what was the other thing? Was the... Had to do with... Oh, when she goes to see Looking Glass. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's a hillbilly that has his own <laughs> fallout that he's turned into a dark room. Yep. Um, reminded me a little bit of uh, John Malkovich in Red. Yes. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Glad I was the only one. So that's a movie that you've seen. <laughs> yes, that is a movie I've seen. Okay. Just so we know. <laughs> um, but uh, the the reveal to him that Judd had the clan outfit with a sheriff star. Except he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised. No. But he, he tries to rationalize. He's oh that might have been his father's and you know grandfather's grandfather or something. Yeah. Something like that. Why? Because he just doesn't want to believe that his friend would have been a racist. I mean his 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 comment when she says he was part of the clan or a racist is he's a white man in Oklahoma. 
<laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. I, I get the impression for him the rationalization is find a story that works and accept it like there's no point really digging into this. Like, who the F cares? Find his killer, move on. Yeah, but see, to find his killer, you need to f- know maybe, the story. Maybe not. But she was also inquiring because, you know, he jumped to it and was like, you think he might have been cavalry? And she was like, you think he wasn't? So now it's starting to bring up, like, if the possibility of him being cavalry is real, then, you know, the reason for his murder now might become a little bit more interesting as a way of shutting him up or uh, hiding some kind of other information. Maybe he was going to come forward or also possibly could have been working as a double agent. So it just complicates things. I want to know who Looking Glass's ex is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That seemed very interesting. Also, I love the fact that he has his own little side project where he tries to investigate the squid rain. Oh, yeah. Like, because like, he, t- he can only get there, he has to take a picture within the five minutes that it's still uh, existing? I think he says like th- within 30, 30 seconds. seconds. 30 they, seconds. They it's even worse. And he says those 30 seconds of life are just excruciating death. They're just dying, yeah. yeah. One of those that can't survive in our atmosphere kind of things. Because they were never designed to survive. Yep. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to talk about this episode? Do you have any anything else on your notes that you really wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah, so we keep seeing the theme of eggs ever since the first episode. And I'm wondering why they're pushing that so much. I mean, in this episode, it begins with that couple selling, selling eggs. eggs who are also infertile, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a nice little play there. Um, in the very first episode, you know, uh, Angela's cooking with eggs. Right. And you see they form the shape of the smiley face. Um, in the second episode, Will is hard-boiling eggs, and at the end of the of the show, the cr- end credits, I believe it's uh, a Beastie Boys song about eggs. It's really weird. No, I didn't know. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's like the Eggman something or other. It's really mm-hmm. weird. And I was like, that's an odd choice. But, I mean, we know that musical choices, at least in the graphic novel, were not accidental. Nope. Um, everything tied into the plot one way or another. And if they're actually doing their homework, then this definitely is some kind of a clue. Um, speaking of songs, that song so. that they're listening to, You're My Thrill, on the way from the police station to mm. Lady True's place, um, was also the song that... Silk Spectre and Night Owl were listening to when they were when they first redress up as superheroes and go out and start saving people again from a burning building. In the movie. In the movie. Well, in the graphic novel too. They're listening to a song in the graphic novel? Yes. Okay. It's in the background, like you can see like the words. Got it. Um cool. and wait. Uh, explain islands in the stream. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> How does that one fit in? Because I was very excited. Um because I love that song. <laughs> It's Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers, yeah. I'm not sure, but there was another Easter egg on that scene. Kenny Rogers roasters. He he sells chickens, chickens' eggs. Nice. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, in terms of the eggs, the eggs are one of the oldest symbols of fertility. Fertility. And if what Mitch's theory is correct in terms of family lineage and our discussion about legacies, my guess is it has to deal with fertility and the birth of a child. Okay, so Ooh, maybe they're birthing Manhattan in that thing. Do we? I I still think that Topher is the avatar for uh, Manhattan. I've heard a theory that it might actually be several people. Okay. Okay. That like two percent of the population of the planet right now is 
some form of Manhattan or another. Why 2%? What, what, it I, seems like an arbitrary number. I don't remember where I saw it, but it's. Uh, I think they're saying that they're trying to, it, it's some kind of a reference to the leftovers. Oh, God. Okay. Because Lindelof also worked on that, apparently. He cre- he's the show I mean, I don't find any validity on that theory, but I just wanted to throw it out there that it was something that was said. Okay. Um, but yeah, going back to that very first scene at the beginning, the book that uh, Mrs. Clark is reading is, uh, I can't remember the name of the author, but it, uh, I looked it up. It was written by the same author of The Black Freighter from within oh, that universe. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. The comic book? Yeah, the comic book author, but this was a novel. Yeah, it's just like Brian Metzer. Yeah. And um, let's see here. I already mentioned that uh, Will was wearing hooded but, justice colors. But if, if it's if it's <laughs> oh. going back to fertility, Elizabeth, what's what's the what's the tie in to the show? What why why would fertility be important? Well, I mean, children change people's outlooks on life all the time and perspective. And if we're dealing with a hero's journey, one of the main catalysts of a hero's journey is often the birth of a child or the existence of a child or... Finding out who your actual family is. I mean, that's a common theme. So I have no clue, but in terms of eggs, the fertility is the one that makes sense. Is An- and with Angela, was she infertile? And is that why she didn't have her own kids? It's it, quite possible. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's been specifically stated that she's stated infertile. Yet. But to Beth's point, uh, what this has to do with eggs, we hear a very interesting foreshadowing when I think her name is Baina or ben- Bania, whatever. The little girl that works with or is the daughter of Lady True. Right. Mm. Um, when she's explaining the, the clock tower that they're building, she says that this thing can withstand anything short of a direct nuclear blast. And, you know, like the, the lighthouse of Alexandria fell down, the library of whatever burned down. I think I'm getting those mixed together, but whatever. Yeah. She's basically <laughs> saying like all these great monuments of human history, except for the pyramids, are all gone, you know, because they, they weren't built to last. And this one is made to last. And um, I think it was Lori Blake that was like, so you're trying to build the eighth wonder of the world? And she's like, no, the the first wonder of the new world. And I think that is what we're waiting to hatch here is the new world. How exactly they're going to do that, I don't know. But maybe this clock tower is actually some kind of quantum egg. Tick tock, tick tock. (laughs) Time, eggs, fertility. Crack a few, you get an omelet. All right. (laughs) Anything else anybody wants to say? No. Cool. Uh, I think we had a lot to talk about. Obviously, a very long episode today. So if you have any more information and would like to just yell at me about more about The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. I would love to hear about it. Find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. John's also on Twitter at? I am at Magic Bollocks. Considering changing it to Mandalorian Bollocks. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth... Can I, be found online I, through through Geek Elite. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth or Jessica, oh. sorry. <laughs> Where can you be found on Twitter? I'm on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media, as well as Elizabeth, can be found at, at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward, forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. 